Welcome to the Health Lab, episode 12. I am your host, Joel Blant. Today's episode features Luke Dupron. Luke's a pretty interesting guy. He's got a cool background, background in kinesiology. He's a personal trainer. He's an online men's health and fitness coach. He's done reality TV work. He was on a reality TV show where essentially they put everyday individuals into special forces training programs and kind of just figured it out and see how long they would last. I think he lasted three days. <laughs> that's not to discredit Luke. Uh, that's because the program and the training is exceptionally intense, but good for him for going through with it. So, you know, we're going to touch base about that. We're going to get into Luke's experiences in in health, fitness, fostering positive growth and positive mindsets, and, and his experiences in overcoming obstacles and well, overcoming strife. And I think, you know, a lot of this stuff ties in really, really well with the Healthy Body, Healthy Minds program at Back in Motion, where we really seek to foster wellness and quality of life in the realms of physical health, mental health, and, and overall nutrition. And I think Luke will be able to comment on, on all of those things. So let's get down to business with Luke. Luke Dupron, thanks so much for joining me in the Health Lab today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'm excited to uh, get here and chat with you. Yeah, great to have someone down here from the States. Well, recording from the States, at least. That's awesome. So many of our guests are Canadian, so it's great to have some of that U.S. perspective. And I, I want to start with your background. I mean, you're a health and fitness professional. You're into kinesiology. You've got a background in kinesiology, men's work, acting, coaching, what <laughs> have you. What's, what got you started in this role, particularly the fitness, fitness industry and, and men's work? Uh, yeah. So I think like a lot of people, I kind of found it through sport at a young age. Um, so, you know, going to, uh, going to college, uh, for business, I'm sitting in an accounting class and thinking, man, I absolutely hate all of this <laughs> and thought about what do I, you know, go home and waste time on. And it was really reading about nutrition and, and exercise. So I shifted gears to the kinesiology department, not really sure how I was going to apply that. And, um, from there I was really able to kind of marry two passions, health, fitness, but also impact. And so from there, I did some sport performance in Colorado, uh, moved out to San Diego, was able to do personal training, did some uh, corrective exercise science, uh, some, some corrective exercise in some rehab studios. So kind of kind of up into your alley of work mm -hmm. and before transitioning back to more kind of lifestyle coaching um, uh, focused with men. And so it's been a kind of a long journey uh, th through it. And I've got to see a lot of different perspectives in the, the health and fitness space, which has been. Um, really useful to kind of crafting out my perspectives on things. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. I like what you said um, just about your initial forays, how you were in business classes and you, you were always dreaming about, you know, nutrition and fitness and what have you. I actually took a very similar route down the health and fitness path. Um, I was initially in university taking, I was, I was going to major in English of all things. And I was, I was, <laughs> Was, You're like, I speak that. I should be able to do that. Yeah, perfect. I can write a sentence. Let's, uh, yeah, let's do that. And sure. I, every time I would, well, yeah, this is like when I was 18 and totally unmotivated. Every time I would go to class and particularly skip class, um, I would go exercise and lift weights mm -hmm. and run. And I was like, wait a minute, what the heck am I doing here? So yep. that's what kind of caused the shift for me. So interesting parallels um, yeah. in that respect. Um, what, what led down, to, down the road of wanting to work with men, specifically doing men's work? So, you know, I've coached, um, I've, I've coached women in the past and I, I've coached men. And, um, for me, it was, there's an intersection 
at what I'm doing now for more, when I say like the lifestyle side of things, um, cause we've talked, you know, obviously like the, the occupational therapy, the corrective exercise, when it comes to like the men's coaching, there's an opportunity to connect, um, as a man, I think a little differently than I do with women, um, mm-hmm. where we can step into a little bit more of an alpha role, uh, and, and, and share some insights and some perspectives that I don't, and probably wouldn't do as much with women. Um, so it kind of was just a natural flow. And I've worked with tons of women in the past. And I always share this to, to people who are listening to women who are listening to something, the actions of when it's diet, uh, and when it's exercise, they're really not much different. Um, obviously there's some going to be some hormonal differences with women. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really applying the same strategies, just maybe differently and how you have to approach it. Um, I found, you know, with women, there might be a little bit more, uh, uh, of an emotional component that has to be dealt with on certain things when it comes to say weight loss, um, sure. where guys, we can maybe, um, knife into it a little differently. Mm-hmm. That's valid. I, I like what you said about being able to connect with people on a different level. Um, because I mean, that's, you know, that's the epitome of working with someone and, and gaining a nice bond with an individual is, is it's rapport really it is. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like to, you know, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot saying this, um, Uh, being recorded saying this, but my hard skills as an occupational therapy, they're, they're okay. They're, 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 (laughs) they're adequate. Um, But my skills as a communicator and someone who can develop rapport, I think are quite, I think I'm quite skilled at that. And that's, that's, that's where I can kind of gain therapeutic um, mm-hmm. um, um, gains for, or, or progressions for my clients is, is totally. for my ability to connect with individuals. It sounds like you, you, you kind of have a, have a similar approach in, in, in some respects. Yeah, I can. And I can appreciate that. That's something that comes naturally to me as, as well. Um, and I do think if you're particularly in the work I'm looking to do, where again, when I say lifestyle change, generally guys are coming to me to lose weight. Um, and that's not as simple as saying like, Hey, here's a nutrition plan and here's a workout plan. You know, it's getting down to some root causes, some, some, some root goals, some root desires, and having uh, a willingness to be open, um, to, uh, look deeper at like, what is holding you back? Uh, what are some of the impacts that this is having? How is it affecting your, your sex life? How is it affecting your relationship with a woman or your ability to like go approach somebody at the bar? Or if you're in a relationship, how you're showing up, like these are, these are conversations that we want to have because they bring a depth of motivation that I think is really empowering for guys. When you are going to move forward and have to overcome some obstacles, it's like, you got to have a a, a big why and to be able to kind of share that with uh with somebody and be able to pry that out of them i think is super useful i think that's awesome man and um you know just those questions that you said that you know are applying to an individual's everyday life you know what, what are you getting out of this what's the point like those to me those are very general open-ended coaching type questions that really foster that self-discovery and, and introspection that can lead to more of that transformative thought sure yeah and and it's like I said, cause there's going to be, there's going to be like challenges and roadblocks along the way. Like I, t- I tell everyone there's, it's never smooth sailing. Like people look from the outside in and think, Oh, this it's, it's easy for this person. They're having a good time, easy time losing weight. And it's like, everybody comes up against some challenges. Every, everybody has some struggle and like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be able to look at like, what's the cause of this and, and what's the solution. And to me, it's, there's internal and external resources that need to be acquired. And if it's an external resource, like, Hey, you need to learn how to meal prep. Or is it an internal one where it's like, we got to figure out a big driver. That's actually going to motivate you to get up and like do the workout when you don't want to do like, we got to, so we got to hit both sides. Yeah. Shifting that mindset. It sounds like from the internal side of things. Oh, hundred percent. So, yeah. You know, I'm sure you come across this with your 
your own personal everyday life with respect to growth and development. I know I do for myself. I know like things like I, I really, really like running. I run a lot. And, you know, yeah. so it, it, I'm in Vancouver, man. It rains 80% of the time here. Like it's, I don't, I don't want to run half the time, but those external motivators say, you know, looking better, you know, feeling better about myself and then internal motivators of, you know, progressively setting goals and achieving them. Those are the things that keep me going. And it's not always easy. And I'm sure it's the same for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, I, th I think for people in the, uh, in the health space, um, who have an interest in this, right, as we've both spoke at a young age, already having an interest in it. Um, we do have a level of, of expertise and experience here. And I think for people on the outside looking in, you have to remember that, that um, when you're looking on Instagram, or when you're like approaching the trainer or the coach, like that is their area of expertise. Um, but you probably have an area of expertise. And you can take some of those um, skills and you can apply them over here. Uh, and, and someone like myself, like I'm going to have my areas of struggle. Um, absolutely. They don't happen to be in this. And this is why I'm able to kind of help people through this because I, because I do have a clearer path. Um, but it's important to remember to remember when you're looking at somebody who, you know, is posting about, they can grind and, uh, working so hard. It's like, they like this stuff. This is their zone of genius. So cut yourself some slack. If, if you're finding yourself struggling, because you probably have a zone of genius, you want to come over and talk about organizational skills to me. Um, you're going to walk in and be like, oh my God, this dude's an absolute chaos. He's a tornado moving through life. And, and you'd feel way better by yourself. <laughs> That's good. No, I like that. And I, I think recognizing your strengths and weaknesses and, um, being able to apply some of those strengths transferably to other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, so, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurial guys. So these are a lot of type A, like hard charging guys. And this is where on the flip side, sometimes some of this can, can come back and bite you. So like, if you're super type A, super rigid, and it's like, well, you might need to develop a little bit of flexibility, right? If you're setting out, like I'm going to work out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m., but then like a business project pops up, you need to have a little bit of the flexibility. Um, and so it's, it is, it's really taking your, um, I think your skills, your personality traits and pulling levers that help you and then kind of filling in gaps where you realize like, oh man, I'm missing here and I need either support or I got to, again, I got to resource up through a tactic, through a, through a skill and, and fill in that gap. And then once you do that, you can kind of move forward through some stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Sounds very, very holistic all around. Um, yeah, yeah, for and, sure. <laughs> you know, you're talking about a little bit about, you know, strife, overcoming obstacles and that kind of thing. I want to, I do have a question that I want to delve into a little bit. It's, it's, I know you were on that history channel show, <laughs> the selection. Now yeah. I'll give a little, from what I saw, it was basically like, well, why don't you explain what it is? And then we could talk about it. Sure. It so yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, yeah. So the selection was a show on the history channel where we got to go through a mock special forces, um, uh, selection process. Um, so it was nine days of which I lasted three before I pulled the plug. Okay. And, uh, what was, um, appealing or interesting about the situation is we were kind of turned over to these um, special forces guys, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, and there wasn't really a production value to this, meaning there was no cut or like action. Like there's no, um, uh, again, production value to this. this. This is, we are literally turned over. We have, they have mounted cameras. We have mics that we have to change our own batteries. And like, we have no contact with the, uh, with the production crew, unless, you know, something happens like our mic gets water damaged wow. or like, or, a um, or an, um, a medic needs to come in and deal with you. And, and so it was an opportunity to go in and obviously as someone who didn't serve in the military, this is extremely out of my comfort, comfort zone Certainly. and to, to go, um, kind of push myself mentally and physically, of course, 
And yeah, it was a really, uh, it was a very challenging, eye-opening and really, um, unique and cool, terrible, awesome, fun, horrible experience all wrapped up in one. <laughs> so I, uh, I watched, I watched, I didn't watch a full episode. I just watched it. I actually couldn't find a full episode that the internet would let me watch, but I did oh, yeah, see probably. a few clips of it on YouTube. And it looked like, it looked like it was like a combination of like Navy SEAL training. Like you said, special mm-hmm. forces training, like what it, it did you, so did, have you, you know, you're familiar with David Goggins, I presume. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Of course. And I, I read his book. Have you read that? Uh, Can't hurt me. I haven't read it. I mean, I'm aware of him and I've listened. I feel like that's one of those books that I feel like I've read without reading it because I've heard so much Goggins and, uh, but no, I have not. Well, exactly. If you've heard it, if you've heard enough Goggins, you've read, you've read it without reading it. Sure. Um, but I read it a few months ago and he talks about his time and he, so he's an ex Navy SEAL for the listeners out there mm-hmm. who don't know. Um, and he talks about his time going through this, I think it's basic underwater demolition SEAL training. It's called bus yeah. training. And it's, you know, I don't know, several weeks of doing pushups in the mud and carrying logs and boats and all that kind of rigmarole and was it similar stuff that you guys had to go through i I mean i obviously i'm not going to even compare what we did compared to what these guys are doing because they're doing it for like um, i've had i think three navy seals on the show and i have a couple friends who are on teams and i mean those guys are going through a six-month grind of that we went through you know, a few days of it. Um, but yeah, we're getting to do, um, similar things and that, like, you know, we went in got gassed. We're, um, doing log PT up a mountain till two in the morning. Uh, just, you know, no sleep for, you know, you're on like two hours of sleep. Uh, we're in the ocean at 10 o'clock at night getting, you know, crushed with waves and carrying the boats. And, um, yeah, it was, it was probably the closest thing that like a civilian could go drop in and, and get a level of that type of exposure when obviously, you know, we're, normally we wouldn't have access to Hence of course the, yeah the desire to say yeah we gotta do this you and i sitting in an office with our our headsets on and yeah i mean then there's oh and there's other um you know there's some companies you can go and kind of dive into some of these more intense challenges but this one i think would have would would have been more i think authentic and and a depth that i don't think you're gonna be able to find yeah fair fair i mean good for you for even lasting three days um yeah i think i think the first person dropped in an hour <laughs> i think i think i think five guys uh, i think five of them finished it and, and went all nine days um yeah it was an intense and, and i and i tell everybody this it's funny i, I i'm actually going to bring on one of the guys uh, one of the seals he's a local guy here oh cool on on my podcast and Great. i haven't really talked a ton about it because hey there's the failure component right like hey i didn't last um but then b the big one is this understand like you do not need to do anything like this to try to get healthy and fit. And this is really my mission is to help people have a level of health and fitness. Um, because to me, it is so impacting on every aspect of your life. And people need to have an understanding that being healthy and fit is baseline. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go and do extreme to experience baseline at baseline. And I think that's what we see a lot in the fitness world. And what's promoted is these really intense, uh, strenuous things. And I think that's a turnoff to people who are just starting off and you got to understand you do those. Once you're fit, you do those types of things to push your mind, not your body. In fact, it's probably terrible for your body. Any of that kind of extreme stuff. Oh, you know, this is your world. Um, and so, uh, I always want to preface with that. Like, don't think that when you hear this and it's like, Oh my God, I got to go do like, you know, get gassed and like lay down and do in the ocean at 10 o'clock at night. Like, no, you don't start there, right? Like this is an opportunity to, uh, there's tremendous value and growth in doing these types of things, but it's not what you need to do to go get healthy and fit. So if you're somebody who's 50 pounds overweight and you're not sure where to begin, like get this out of your head. This is not where you have to start. This is getting into the, you know, the next level for your mind. Man, that's awesome. I, I love that you say that. Cause um, so 
I, I was training for an ultra ultra marathon just a couple of months ago. And that's, you know, running five or six days yeah. a week, tons of kilometers, miles, I guess, from where you're yeah. from. But, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's running a lot. It's, it's a lot of hills. It's a lot of time pound on the pavement. And ultimately, training and running ultra marathons is not good for you physically. It is not. Um, it's bad for your heart. It's bad for your lungs. It's bad for your joints. But it's, it's, it's really the, the psychological and the mental roadblocks and hurdles. That's where you're making the gains there. And that's where I personally get a lot out of it. But totally, to- totally agree, though. I mean, when you're just starting out, you know, you don't have to do that. And even if for now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm still running right now. I'm not in active training in ultra mode at the moment. And I'm running, you know, three or four days a week, maybe 40 minutes to an hour at a time. And even that you don't have to do to maintain yeah. or even get started with personal yeah. fitness. And it, you know, it's, so this is, this is a struggle of mine. This is a balance that I've, um, I, I, yeah, I've, I've absolutely struggled with, I know, looking uh, at your stuff, you also do some concussion type stuff, uh, work right. and, um, like, you know, in the past I really enjoyed training MMA and it's like, that's incredibly dumb to get kicked in the head, <laughs> but it's fun. And, uh, you know, I found jujitsu is a fairly for the most part safe, but I've also torn ligaments. You know, I've, I've, I've blown out an ACL training MMA and it's like, I'm not going to make money or do that for a living. It's just a fun thing. Um, and so there is a balance between, uh, you know, sport and health. And I encourage people to take a health first fitness second approach. And that for me has been kind of my guiding light on how I make decisions and, and where again, like, eh, maybe I shouldn't be getting kicked in the head probably not a smart health decision, mm-hmm. but you're right. There's amazing benefits when you can step into some of these more physically challenging, um, demanding things based in the mind, as far as like, man, you start to think about, you start to find where your thinking's wrong. You kind of find little cracks in the armor and it's one of the best tools. Uh, it's to me like fitness and really kind of pushing yourself is one of the best tools of personal development. There's other, I think there's other levers that you can pull. Um, but man, that's a powerful one. Um, it is, it is. I I wholeheartedly agree. And it really helps to set the bar higher and higher and higher. Once you progress to that next level, I I did want to touch on what you said um, just a few moments ago about just your health first approach. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what it entails? Yeah. Well, so again, for me, that's going to be kind of my guiding, um, decision-making and somebody who does participate in fitness activities. And again, like I would like to get back and compete in jujitsu again. It's like, well, I have to, um, think about when I have an injury, like, Hey, do you keep training? No, not at all. Cause I have a health first focus. I'm thinking like, I want to be 65 and still go hike like uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Like I, I still want to do a lot of longevity type things. Um, so there's a difference between how an athlete has to approach certain things. Um, and again, to me, a health approach would also be, hey, go and having more social life. Mm-hmm. A professional athlete probably doesn't get to go do that dinner, right? And like, if I'm, uh, I'm not, I don't have kids, but if I had kids and I'm sacrificing time with them because, hey, dad's got to go train for the non-existent competition, it's like you're missing the point in my, in my opinion. That's mm-hmm. not a health, that's not a health first approach. Certainly. So where's the balance there? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh you know, that, that's just been an easy guideline for me to kind of make decisions like, Hey, is this a health? Um, I'm taking a health first fitness, a second approach because, um, yeah, I have, I have had injuries. I've compressed a disc in my back. It's how I kind of got into the corrective world where I couldn't walk for six days. It still affects me to this day. I've, I have no ACL. And so I've beat the shit out of myself 
through some of these sport style things that I really enjoy that have pr- brought tremendous value, but having that health for, uh, health first focus helps kind of at least pull me in and stop me from going over the edge. <laughs> Very valid. And I, man, I, I talk about, I mean, you mentioned that I work in concussion and one of the things that led me down that was experiencing three concussions of my own playing sport. And, you know, they didn't have to happen. Um, Of course, I have no regrets of them happening, but in terms of maintaining a healthy lifestyle and maintaining good quality of life and wellness, they weren't necessarily necessary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, well, one that was always kind of funny to me when I worked in the rehab studio, we would have a lot of people come in that had done CrossFit and got injured doing CrossFit. And they were almost proud, like, oh, yeah, I got hurt doing CrossFit. And in my head, I'm always like, wait, aren't you doing CrossFit to get fit and healthy? (laughs) But CrossFit changed and became sport. And for sport, you could justify the risk of injury. And again, I, and I can, I get that, right? Like I've hurt myself, you know, I dislocate fingers doing jujitsu and I can justify that through a practice of sport. It gives me again, some mental strength and like th- there is some, some weighing of those sides, but I'm always going to like anchor in that. I want to have a health for health first focus to kind of, again, pull me back from going too far into that other side. And that's so valid. And, and, you know, talking about these athletes that you've worked with, you know, I know you've worked with some Olympians and we'll get to that in, in a few moments here, but I had a, uh, I had a guest on the podcast just a few weeks ago and her name was Ellie Greenwood and she's a very accomplished ultra runner. Okay. So she holds oh, cool. some, yeah, she holds some like amazing records, world records for hundred mile races, 50 mile races, that kind of thing. So she's, she's devoted, she's pushing, she's running. Um, and I told her about some of my experiences, you know, I kind of just started delving into ultra running, but I also do a lot of other things. Like, I, you know, I like to play badminton. I, sure. you know, I like to go to the community center with my wife and, you know, shoot around a shuttlecock here and there and uh, play softball mm-hmm. and what have you and go hiking and go camping. And what she yep. said to me, she said, well, that's all. And I was trying to, I was kind of trying to compare myself to her actually, in the sense that I was like, wow, she's so motivated. She's getting it all done. And she was like, okay, well, Joel, but like, I'm only running. Like, that's all I do. She's like, you yeah. get to do all these other cool things. And yep. so, you, you know, don't take that for granted. <laughs> you know, it, it yeah. really enjoy the fruits of your life that you're able to experience outside of, of being an elite athlete because you don't necessarily have to go down that road. Right. And, and again, this is, you know, more of the, the guys I'm working with where it's like, yeah, you want to feel amazing. You want to have energy for your day um, to go, you know, again, be productive in business. And um, yeah, maybe you want to go dabble and do an Ironman or you want to get into jujitsu, but you don't have to take a professional athlete's approach because um, again, there's a level of sacrifice that comes at that level that perhaps you don't have to make to get the result that you're actually after. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Cause I, you know, I did just mention you have trained some Olympians and I was power walking was. What yeah. So, yeah. Some, so some Olympic race walkers and, and uh, I did the strength component of that. And it's funny when people hear that, they're always like, Oh, race walkers. And it's like, yeah, they walk a mile in seven minutes and 13 seconds. So they walk faster than a lot of people run. And then they go do it for like 20 kilometers in a row or something. So like 13 miles or something silly. That is um, insane. Yeah. You know, so uh, <laughs> I was uh, moving. I was, <laughs> I was, I'm just going to interrupt for a second. I was telling, I was telling my wife last night that we were going to record this. And I was telling her about you a little bit. And she told me that I should probably um, seek out your services because she thinks I walk way too slow. 
that's funny. Well, I don't have the technique on that. Uh, I can do this. I can do the strength component for you, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I had an opportunity to work with a couple girls. Um, actually, actually one's a Canadian up there. She's crushed a tons of records up there um, in your, in your part of the, the, the land. Cool. And yeah, so it's, it's a cool experience working with that, that level of athlete because the thing that's interesting to me with all the Olympians and I've had, um, I've had a couple others on the podcast as well is you got to think it's a four year gap before you compete in that. Now they have events along the way, of course, but man, you want to talk about an interesting mindset, a basketball player. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's a guy that just, I'm not a basketball fan, but, uh, my neighbor was just informing me. There's a guy down in the NBA that just turned down a $50 million, uh, a year contract. Wow. Wow. And, Cause he wants to play with a different team. Right. Whoa. So like that guy ha- has so much money already that he just turned down $50 million and he's going to go play somewhere else. These Olympic athletes, 99.9% of them are never going to make any money. And there's okay. no guarantee that they're even going to make the games. So to me, it's a very interesting human, uh, the psychology side of to have a passion to really just love what they're doing and to have a competitive spirit, because again, they may not even make the games and it's four years of training and effort and trying to peak. And these were women, right? So like you have to think as a woman, what if you want to have a child, which, uh, Rachel, she actually has since she's gone back for, uh, I think her second games. Okay. And it's like, how do you budget that in there? Right. So it's a really fascinating, um, population of athlete, you know, like, again, when you think they don't really make a ton of money, unless you're again, like Michael Phelps or somebody super famous or Usain Bolt, but for 99.9% of them, it's like, man, a lot of work, no guarantee and no, you know, big financial payoff. Man, that's, that ties in so well with our, what we were talking about a few moments ago about external versus internal motivators. Huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, so, yeah, and, it, and it's, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, what's it like? What's it like working with someone who is that internally motivated as compared to just your kind of everyday Joe type individual? Well, it's, it's interesting because obviously the majority of the time it, it's not going to be as hyper-focused. Again, I'm just doing one small piece. I'm doing a strength component, right? I'm helping to try to build the motor that, that they can go apply to their skill set. And um, as a coach, having to remember that, they're like, hey, this is just one little piece. And it's, and it's a small part of it um, because there's obviously the technique of race walking. There's, they're, they're actually competing in that. Um, they have to get their cardio, their nutrition. And it's like, this is just one little pillar, um, for them to try to optimize, to then go apply. Um, so I think it's keeping that in mind, um, Mm -hmm. and, and remembering that like, this isn't, you know, some all encompassing, this isn't, this isn't the sport, um, for them. This is a, a tool for them to leverage to go apply to their sport. And I think that's a big, I think that's a big miss for a lot of, a lot of coaches. Yeah. Yeah. It's know your role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And, and, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about if COVID and what's going on with that. And, you know, I was sharing some experiences, which I've shared on the podcast prior about um, telehealth and my experiences treating people via telehealth. Uh, how's it been with you doing virtual coaching and virtual training? Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll try to keep this kind of brief, but this is important if you're somebody who is listening to this and again, you want to make some shifts and you're trying to figure out how you're going to do this. So, um, as I mentioned, like I had done personal training with 
I think the original goal of like, man, I want to help people, you know, lose weight, get fit, uh, improve their mindset, all the stuff that me and you know happens when you step into a role or, or a, a lifestyle that, that incorporates fitness, nutrition, right. all these amazing uh, benefits that come with it. And that was the goal as a personal trainer. It's like, man, I want to change lives. And what I found, and this is years ago, it's like, that didn't really happen. Um, and so then I found the corrective exercise where I could make some real radical shifts for people. And you have somebody who has back pain or some issue, and you can really make a change that has a direct impact. Well, when I went online and I started doing more of the lifestyle coaching, I realized the big hole and the big gap with the in-person personal training is it doesn't actually empower people. It pacifies them. And I look at this as uh, I give a really good example and I'm going to, I'm going to call this guy Tom. And uh, I remember working personal training, someone three times a week who had lost weight. And uh, one day he says something and he's like, well, that's easy for you because you're a fitness guy. And I'm like, hang on, man. Like I'm training you. So you have my, you know, I'm oppressing upon you. My, my philosophy of training, mm-hmm. I'm guiding your nutrition. You're losing weight and you're working out three times a week. I'm like, you're a fitness guy, <laughs> but he never stepped into it as an identity. And he never took full authority of it. I had the power Okay. because the only way he would do a workout is if I'm there. Right. Right. And, right. He wouldn't be able to, t- it was, sounds like it was fostering some sort of a dependency. hundred percent. And I saw this all the time with people where, um, they come and check the box, got my workout, saw the trainer, boom, moving on. Whereas, uh, the remote training that I do now, or again, I'm going to call it more like coaching, um, you have to step up. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guide. I'm a Sherpa. Uh, I'm going to provide the tools and I can give uh, biomechanical feedback through video. Um, we're going to do some mindset work. We're going to do and, and by doing it remotely, you have to go step up. Like you got to be the guy that's going to do the workout. And what happens when you become that guy, you're also the guy then that probably makes a healthier nutrition choice. Because again, you've kind of stepped into this just at a deeper level and the follow through or the guy that you're forced to become, the growth is significantly different. Significantly. That's so interesting. And yeah, when, when, when COVID kind of first hit and we did a transition to a lot of our services at Back in Motion being telehealth, um, we, we did some research on the efficacy of telehealth programs, particularly with respect to, to physiotherapy service delivery. And of course, sure. this isn't, you know, not physiotherapy when they're doing manual therapy. It's when they're, you know, prescribing exercises, prescribing stretches, you know, routines and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And actually adherence to programming was found to be greater when yep. people were getting services delivered via telehealth as opposed to services being delivered in person. I'm not shocked. Again, I'm not shocked at all. Um, it. Uh, uh, that's what's been proven to me having, having now done this. And um, yeah, like I said, there's just, there's a level of growth that has to happen. And the best way I've been able to describe it is um, the in-person work is pacifying someone. The remote allows a space for growth. And that's, that's just the best way I've been able to wrap my head around it. Um, And uh, I kind of think of it another way is where it's like, man, if you're going to eat healthy, like if I had to come over there and like, cook it with you every time. That's not a recipe for long-term change. How are you going to then be the guy that goes on vacation for three weeks? And are you just going to like completely drop off and never do any activity? And you're just going to eat like complete crap. And it's like, 
Well, the person who was checking the box by seeing the trainer or the, or the, the, the physio possibly, but the person who stepped in, took full control, stepped up and is doing it on their own. They're the person that's going to continue on. And to me, that's the, that's the transformation that I want to help, help guys with. It's so true. And I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. I mean, you know, I, I see so many clients, whether they be concussion clients, mental health, trauma, musculoskeletal injuries, what have you. And I typically see them, you know, once a week, maybe for 30 to 60 minutes. That's yep. not really going to get you much. You know, it's, it's so much about what you do outside of that. That's where yep. you see the results and people, you know, I might see people for six weeks, eight weeks, maybe half a year, maybe a year. And, you know, if it goes well, they, they end up thanking me for the hard work that I did, but I keep telling them they did the work. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they did most of the work. I was just helping, helping to guide the whole process for them. And it sounds like you're taking a similar approach. Yeah. And you know, um, for people listening to this again, I have to like check myself on this. I can be somebody that can go check the box in other areas of my life. And I have to, I have to say like, Hey, am I really getting the result that I'm after? And, uh, if, if you're not like step back and think, okay, what do I need to do differently? How can I approach this differently? And like the goal is not to go see the trainer, right? The goal is not to go get stretched by the, the physio. It's like the goal is to get better in health. The goal is to reach the weight loss. The goal is to change your lifestyle, you know, and, and there's some, um, some, some guideposts that uh, you got to hit along the way. And mm-hmm. it won't happen if the only way you're willing to do it is if somebody else is like taking you through the motions. Very much so. You have to, you have to want to change and want to commit to change in order for change to occur. Yep. And, and I do, and I tell, like, I do recommend like have a level of support, right? Like this is again, where remote um, type coaching um, is incredibly powerful because on the flip side, if you're like, okay, I'm going to go just take care of this on my own. I hate to say it. The majority of people I see fail there. And there's a reason there's so many people constantly retrying to lose weight constantly in this struggle. And it's because they actually haven't got support, but there's this middle ground of support where it's like, you do need to be held accountable accountable. You do need to have somebody provide the correct uh, external resources, the correct training, the correct stimulus, the correct nutrition. Um, But then you need to have space to create and develop the internal resources to take you through this, which is again, your own internal motivation, your own kind of upgraded identity, um, your uh, levels of grit. (laughs) And like, these are things that require a space to grow, um, but you do need a level of support. So there's somewhere in the middle. And and to me, um, uh, the, the remote training or remote coaching has kind of been where I found the, the secret sauce to be. Are there any ways to, I mean, you talk about, you know, internal motivation, internal development, grit, or, or have you found any good ways to foster or, or facilitate that in any of your clients? Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, uh, we do a couple things. Um, everybody has to craft out a big why. Um, so again, like you want to lose 30 pounds. Cool. Tell me why. And like, I don't want to hear like, yeah, I just kind of need to like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, you know, like I like, and again, when I say working with men, one, I like to throw at men and it's like, cool, man, are you planning on having kids? Yeah. Cool. Is another man going to walk your daughter down the aisle on her wedding day? Or are you <laughs> like it, like yep. that will anchor. Right. And so whatever it is, you need to get invested that that outcome is going to happen. And your action that you either take or do not take is going to lead you there. It's not. I do like the the fitness itself, I think is its own personal development tool. I think it's a beautiful one. And again, you know, someone like myself and you, maybe we're doing something a little more extreme, um, going and doing again, like a selection show or, um, uh, the, the iron man's that in and of itself provides value. Um, it can be jujitsu. It can be, uh, I love rucking for people. I think rucking where you put on a weighted pack and you go out for a hike and you get tired and you think I'm just going to make it to that tree. 
and then you make it to that tree. And then the next time you come back and you make it a little further yes. and you have proof positive that, hey, I put in work and effort, I get more out of me. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good um, fitness is a really good tool to uh, identify that that's possible, that to basically identify a growth mindset, that if I work hard and put in effort, I see result. Um, so I think those two pieces, and then the other one is really have to do a little bit of identity work and start trying to make identity based decisions. Meaning how are we thinking of ourselves, right? If you're the person like the, uh, like Tom or Tim, whoever my, whatever name I gave that person, uh, I think it was Tom, but <laughs> Tom, right. And that's not Tom. That wasn't real name, but if you're never thinking of yourself as the, the fitness person, it's like, you're not going to make identity based decisions. And, and we see this with say vegans, not suggesting that you need to go vegan, but like a vegan doesn't eat meat because they're a vegan right? As a cyclist, you probably don't smoke because you're a cyclist, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can start to link some of these things to, to an identity and we can be intentional with this. Um, so I think those are some big ones. Um, the other one that I do see that is a big roadblock for a lot of people is stress and overwhelm. And I do think you need to have some tactics and tools to shift your physiology to feel different so you can go get an action. Um, or you become someone who does something that you don't want to do. Those are your two options. <laughs> so I just put a post up the other day uh, about doing a cold plunge the other day. And it's like cold oh, like plunge. A, like a cold plunge in the water? Yeah. Okay. Weird. I was yeah, up in yeah. uh, Utah and we jumped in a, a reservoir. It's probably like 40 degrees, right? Awesome. And you're going to feel different. There's no way you get out of there and you feel the same. And a lot of people I see who are struggling in their health and their fitness um, again, if we want to say stress, um, low levels of anxiety, depression, uh, again, I'm not a psychologist or psych psychiatrist, um, but some type of like emotional block where it's like, man, I just can't get into action. And it's like, you're waiting to feel different. And it's like, so you'll feel motivated and go do it. It's not going to happen. You have two options. You become someone who does something you don't want to do. Great identity to step into, by the way, powerful, mm -hmm. or you come up with some tools to shift your physiology and how you feel. So again, like a cold plunge, some breath work, shaking something to shift you from whatever crummy mood you're in. So you now feel different and now you can kind of go forward and move in, in a different way. Man, so cool. Are you familiar with Wim Hof? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah that reminds me of that. Um, I started taking cold showers maybe about, I don't know, 18 months ago. And mm -hmm. not all of my showers are cold, <laughs> um, but probably about 90% of them are. And I'd be hard pressed to leave a cold shower, not screaming with joy and being yeah. totally jacked up. It's like a pot of coffee being mainlined. It is. It is. It's yeah. amazing. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Uh, so cold showers is a great tool um, because again, I just see a lot of people where it's like, say, say you have a guy or a gal, um, if you're listening to this and you're someone where you're like, man, I just like, I can't get going. And like, you're stressed and overwhelmed and like, just everything just feels heavy. And it's like, there might even be a real external cause of that stress and overwhelm, but I just find those people who are stuck in that, they really struggle to make decisions that would move them forward towards a goal. And a great example would be like, oh, so you had Jack in the Box, um, which is like a fast food restaurant down here. Right. And I'll, and I'll talk to somebody where I'm like, so you had Jack in the Box, but literally across the street, you could have went into Whole Foods um, and just hit the hot bar and got a healthy meal that moves you towards your weight goals. To be able to navigate that decision when they're in just this heightened, overwhelmed stress spot felt like such a heavy thing. Mm. When really it's like, hey, you're just going to go right or left and walk 30 feet this way. Like it's no big deal. But when you're in that stress and that overwhelm and just you're feeling stuck, 
that decision feels heavy and challenging. And it seems silly if you're not there. Um, but if you are that person, it's like, man, you got to zap yourself out of that and shift your physiology. And a cold shower could be a, a, a great tool. Um, that's one I do as well. And, and here's some other benefits to a cold shower. When you sign up, when you sign up for a show like The Selection, you get stuck in the ocean at night. It's not as bad. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I say that jokingly, but there's some truth in it. Um, I live in San Diego. And, you know, one thing about doing cold showers allows me to spend more time in the ocean throughout the season. Like I get an extra, I don't know, two weeks on each end where it just doesn't feel so cold and I get to play more. <laughs> yeah, that's so valid. And I, I, I dig that you said that because um, I live in Vancouver and it's not, it's you, you know, it, it, it's not Alaska cold, but it gets cold in the winter. It's November. I'm going scuba diving next weekend. Ah, beautiful. Um, and it's, awesome, you know, I'm wearing a dry suit, so yeah. I'm not going to be that cold. It's still cold. Um, and taking some of these cold showers has prepared me for that a lot more. Yep. So engaging in some of these behaviors that translate to everyday life activities. Yeah. And just, um, you know, stressing yourself intentionally. And again, you can do it through exercise um, to kind of raise what you can handle. Uh, there, there's, there's a beauty in that and there's such a value and, and you're the one that gets the reward. Cause again, you can go scuba dive or again, I get to go play in the ocean a little bit longer. Um, so it's not a, just about being masochistic and punishing yourself, but actually just raising your capacity to, to handle stress. Um, you know, you're more of a runner, you're a runner and I'm, I'm not, it's like, you're going to get to see a lot more cool stuff on a trail than I do. Cause you're going to go further. Mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. there's probably some outlook in Canada and Vancouver when I go there someday that it's like, oh, did you see that outlook? And it's like, oh no, man, I missed it. Cause you know, my legs got tired when I got to mile 15 and you went to 17 and you got to take that cool photo and had this amazing moment. And, uh, when the sun was setting. And so it's like, you're the, we're the one that gets the reward when we kind of raise the, uh, governator opens up so many, so many different doors of possibility. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting too, just talking about, you know, overcoming obstacles and, and fears and that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's so prevalent in everyday life personally and professionally for myself. Like I said, I work with a lot of people who have PTSD and there's a certain, there's a certain therapy technique that's called exposure therapy. And so like, let's say you're afraid of heights, you're deathly afraid of going onto a bridge or something like that. What you do is you don't throw someone onto a bridge right away. You get them to go up the rung of a ladder a little bit, get them comfortable with that, go up two rungs of a ladder and then progress from there. And, yep. you know, inevitably it, it typically works and it's the same yeah. concept with all these other things we've been talking about today. Totally. I, uh, yeah. And, and this is, uh, you know, we've, we've spoke a lot about the special forces and one of the guys that was on my podcast, uh, who's a friend, uh, you know, he, he spoke about this as a Navy SEAL and a Navy SEAL instructor. It's like, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, like as much as I said, exercise is a beautiful tool, um, that you can leverage again, go further on that hike, you know, lift more weight than you have, but there's other tools you can leverage, right? Like go public speak somewhere, do a Toastmasters. And all of these are just growth tools to, again, find what, like you said, exposure, like, Ooh, I didn't think I could do this. Then I went a little beyond it. Oh, wow. I can. And then really reflect back on and be like, okay, I didn't think I could do that. I can. What else? What yes. else did I not have an understanding that I could do? And, and starting to pull some of these levers. Um, yeah. And, and I think uh, finding as many of those tools or levers that you can pull because there's, there's overlap, right? Like, believe me. Yeah. When you did an ultra, you found the point where you thought this sucks. I want to quit. And you kept going. And 
man, I don't know if you're a parent, I would imagine when you have a three month, I don't have kids, but I would imagine when you have a three month old and you haven't slept in three weeks and their kids throwing a fit, it probably would help to have a little of the, uh, man, I can keep going attitude. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, man, we've talked about some, that, that's cool. It, it's cool because all the things that we've talked about apply not only to health and fitness, but just to everyday life as well. And, you know, going through some of the strife, overcoming these obstacles, and it just, it makes, it makes everyday life a lot easier sometimes. I, I say this to people exercise for me personally, um, is my probably anti-anxiety, um, tactic that I wasn't aware. I really, um, I don't want to say suffered from, but mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I didn't realize how much anxiety I probably would have if I didn't have that lever that I have been just constantly pulling and getting in a, a good feedback loop. But yeah, man, it, it's such a powerful tool to feel differently. And of course, then you can get the benefits of like, you look better and all that, but everybody starts with the look. Like that's the, in, that's the entrance point. Like again, guys that come to me, it's like, man, I'm 30, 40, 50 pounds. I want to lose some weight. And it's like, cool. We get that going. It's the, how you feel that keeps you going in the long haul. Oh, and it's yeah. like, there's a reason every person, you know, who's adopted a health and fitness quote unquote lifestyle is so obnoxious online. They're posting their recipes. They're telling you they checked into the gym and you're like, all right, we get it. You like working out. And it's because they feel good. Like they just want to share that. So man, you get a huge reward from it. So valid. I think, you know, again, I run a lot of exercise a lot and I can't, I don't know the exact ratio of physical to mental health benefits for myself, but it's definitely a lot more weighted on the mental health side of things. And I know if I, yeah, if I've had a bad day, if I've had a bad day, man, I go for a 15 or a 20 minute run and it's just, the day's not bad anymore. It's better. It's over. It's, it's, yeah. it's good. I'm good. Uh, yeah. Same boat. I mean, I'm, and I'm constantly trying to use my body to hijack my mental psychology <laughs> and uh, it's, it's cause there's going to be some challenging stuff. You're going to have some bad days at work that probably are, are real, right? Like something's, something's going to suck <laughs> like at some point, man, I love that. Use my body for my mental psychology. That's wicked. What a, what, a, what, 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 all the time. what a great line to, to kind of wrap it up with Luke. So, um, you know, again, we've talked about so many good things, really enjoyed having you on the show here today. Kind of ran them all over. So hopefully this was valuable to those who are listening. I hope so too. And if people want to find out more information about you or connect with you, where can they go? Uh, easiest place is to just go livegreatlifestyle.com. Um, there I have the Live Great Lifestyle podcast, which I interview high performing. Again, uh, I got Navy SEALs on there. We have athletes, uh, but it's for everyday people to try to kind of leverage some of those those mindset strategies. Um, that's the social handles, Live Great Lifestyle on Instagram, Facebook. And if anybody wants to reach out directly, Luke at livegreatlifestyle.com. Um, quite, quite accessible. Perfect. LiveGreatLifestyle.com. And we will put those in the show notes. Thanks again, Luke. Awesome, man. Appreciate you having me on. Take care. Luke Dupron, folks. I really enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoy speaking with people who can motivate me. And I mean, I, I feel motivated. I feel charged up after talking with Luke. And a lot of those things that we talked about, they apply to really everyone across the board. Um, you know, you might be in rehabilitation, speaking with a psychologist, you know, seeking a personal trainer, seeking to make some changes in your lifestyle, in your behavior. But really, it's up to you. It, at the end of the day, it is up to you. 
to make those changes. You you know you might choose to see someone. You might you might be kind of coerced into seeing someone once a week, and they might be helping you out, providing you with some strategies, whether it be physical strategies, mental strategies, cognitive strategies, what have you. But it's your choice to be engaged in those sessions, and it's your choice to really take it to the next level outside of those sessions because at the end of the day you might see your therapist you might see your trainer once twice a week maybe three times a week it it, it really the gains happen when you take the initiative outside of those sessions so i think luke did an excellent job of highlighting that and i really really appreciated that conversation Join us in a few weeks for episode 13 featuring Dr. Noah Silverberg. Noah is a neuropsychologist and a professor at the University of British Columbia. I actually had the privilege of working with Noah on a study related to concussion rehabilitation. So want to delve deep about concussion, trends in therapy, you know, trends in psychological and and occupational approaches to treating concussion, and any strategies that Noah might have for individuals recovering from a concussion or anyone that knows anyone else who also might be recovering from a concussion. So look forward for that. Until then, have a nice day, folks.